All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Romans chapter number 4. Romans chapter 4, we'll continue our study here. And uh, as we look at Romans 4, Romans 3, Paul talked about being uh, the cornerstone for all teaching and lessons is the repetition is uh, the master of all teachers, they say. And so, uh, so it's, it's repetitious, but then a lot of times he t- attacks it from different angles uh, and really looks at it from different perspectives. And so as we look at this this evening, uh, understand that Paul is uh, dealing with justification by faith and not of works. And it's important uh, that we know that we get the same idea down. Now, as we think about this, I was thinking about this this afternoon and even this morning. And, and as we think about this, uh, many times we know, hey, we're, we know we are saved by faith. It's a statement. It's not disputed. It's not something that uh, that, that is misunderstood for us, perhaps. But there are many people who are completely baffled by it. On Wednesday night, I was reading, uh, I think it was Brother Thornton's prayer letter, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and he was talking about somebody who was steeped in other religions and truly confused. And sometimes when you deal with other people, uh, most, most religions uh, that are out there It is a works-based salvation. And so when you talk with other people, uh, they many times are going to have this mindset that Paul is dealing with. And so sometimes just going back over these arguments, though you might say, well, I understand that. Well, that's good. I'm glad you do. Uh, And I don't doubt that you do. But it's good for us to re-see uh, what is being taught, and not only that, but be able to find it in the Bible. Maybe uh, the Lord will bring across your path somebody this week who does think that it's a works-based salvation. And, uh, and maybe you would have an opportunity to say, well, uh, let me just show you a couple things out of the Bible uh, that really refute that, because Paul deals with it from every angle. Remember, the Jews, many of them, uh, came from that mindset of keeping the law and obeying what God said to do. And so they were very religious people, though they were not saved people, and uh, until they had put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So understanding that will help us, and being able to look at this and, and go down through here and understand will help us be able to point to other people and, uh, and direct them, not only them, but it will help us as well if there's any ever question Uh, ever any question in our mind, we can go back. Hey, Romans chapter 4 very clearly debates and talks about being justified by faith. So we'll see that in these first eight verses. Let me give you the outline for the whole chapter. As we'll look at it, we're not going to cover the whole chapter tonight, uh, but in the first eight verses, he covers justification is by faith and not by works. And then verses 9 through 17, he covers justification is by grace, not by law. And then in, in verses 18 through 25, he covers justification is by resurrection power, not human effort. And so while they're closely related, uh, they are their slight variances in every one of those. And, uh, and for many people, that will be very helpful uh, to be able to take just a slight different mindset and approach and be able to look at this. So we'll look at the first eight verses this evening. The Bible says here in Romans chapter 4 and verse number 1, What shall we say then that Abraham our father 
as pertaining to the flesh hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness to us. God, I pray that you would help us and strengthen us as we uh, look at the idea, Father, of being justified wholly by faith. And God, may we be uh, fortified, may we be encouraged, may we be strengthened. And God, may we be blessed understanding and knowing that, God, our salvation is not pendant on our works. And God, that, that you wholly have justified us by faith. What a relief. and What a blessing to us that we don't carry that burden of sin. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray that you would speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at the first couple of verses here, we're going to look at, uh, I just have two points tonight. Uh, and you're like, wow, two points. I have 150 subpoints. I'm just kidding. I don't have 150 subpoints. Uh, but, I, but I do just have two points. And uh, it's odd, I tried as hard as I could to put three points, because I like three points, but I couldn't get three points. The Scripture didn't allow it, so we're just going to go with two points, what Paul did, and, uh, and that's that. But, uh, but we find in, in here, the first thing we're going to notice is the evidence of belief. Uh, the evidence of belief. He talks a lot about belief in these first few verses and, uh, and believing God. Now, we're, I'm going to use these two words interchangeably, faith and belief. They are synonyms, and if you look them up in the dictionary, which I did do, uh, they're, they're, they, they will define very similarly uh, the idea. And basically, it's that your mind is convinced of a truth, and you are going to believe that. You adhere to that. Um, boy, there's a myriad of examples we could do, and, uh, and it, but many times people... Uh, have you ever heard of the term, trying to think of the right term, uh, when somebody uh, thinks that they have everything? Um, they're, they're, they're convinced in their mind, I can't think of the term, uh, but they're convinced in their mind uh, that, man, their elbow hurts. And, and, and so because their elbow hurts, all of a sudden, uh, man, I must have this weird disease that, that's in my elbow. And, and, that, and, and every time they hear of a disease, it's all of a sudden, you know, well, my knee's been doing that too. My knee pops and I must have that disease. And they think uh, that they have everything that they hear about. Uh, I know some of you are laughing, so you obviously know what I'm talking about. Uh, and some of us have met people like that. And, and sometimes people really are convinced in their mind uh, that they have something. And sometimes they just plumb don't. Um, but they're so convinced that they believe it in their mind 
that you can actually feel pain, you can actually have all the symptoms, and you can actually produce all the symptoms because you believe it in your mind. That's a very strong belief. Man, I wish our Christian belief was that strong, uh, that it would affect us in that way. And so the idea here is that belief is something that the mind is convinced about and totally believes and has faith in. So I'm going to use those two words, belief and faith, interchangeably. And the, under the evidence of belief, I want you to see uh, that, that Paul first starts out with common sense. Look at verse number 2. He mentions in verse number 4, and he continues from chapter 3, uh, he, said, he brings up Abraham as his example. And we're going to talk about Abraham shortly, but look at his, his, his common sense answer in verse number 2. He says there, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Now he starts off, with the word if. Now we need to understand that he is throwing out a, a possibility uh, that, that is to be considered. In other words, it's not a, a definite thing, but it is a hypothetical situation. If Abraham were justified by works. In other words, uh, he's not saying that Abraham was. But if Abraham were justified by works, what does he say there? He says, uh, he hath whereof to glory. And I've, I've said this many times, uh, and I'll say it again. Could you imagine if we could get to heaven with our own works? We'd get to heaven, and it would be nothing more than a, a bunch of prideful, arrogant statements of, look what I did to get here. Abraham would say, well, you know, man, I God asked me to pack up and leave my house, so I packed up and left my house, and man, I've done this and I've done that. And, and really, uh, he's saying logically, that doesn't fit because God has given us very clearly that pride would be sinful uh, and arrogance. And we're going through the book of Proverbs on Wednesday night. We see those ideas very clearly that, hey, that's not the mindset of God. God is, uh, uh, wants us to be very humble. So uh, that doesn't fit with God's grand plan and scheme of things. And he's giving a very logical answer. He's saying, listen, if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. In other words, he might be able to tell man, look what I did, look what I did, look what I did. But before God, there's nowhere to say that. Because God is so much bigger than us. God is so much greater than us. That there is no room for boasting before God by any stretch of the imagination. So we understand that. And it's a very logical argument that Paul is making. And he's very quick to throw out that phrase, not before God. Uh, matter of fact, the Bible says this in Isaiah 64, 6. He says, but, all our, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. In other words, hey, we're all sinners. And the best righteousness that we can produce before God is a filthy rat. That means, hey, there's nothing good that we can come up with to present to God. And Paul is attacking it from a logical argument and a logical standpoint, saying, listen, it's not possible 
to bring our good works before God because we're sinners inherently before God. And he's covered all of that in Romans 1 and 2. So it's very clear to them uh, that, listen, that's a, uh, a, a wrong argument to be justified by works. It's, all by, it's just common sense. Look with me at verse 4. And he continues his logic. We'll go back to 3 here in a minute. He says in verse 4, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. In other words, if you could work off your salvation, basically, you have paid your own debt. You know that song that we sing, uh, I owed a debt I could not pay. He, he paid a debt he did not owe. That's our salvation. Uh, the fact of the matter is, we all, because of our sin, owed a debt that we cannot pay. It's not possible. And why do we say that? Well, because a lot of religions, that's what they're doing. Uh, they, they require you to go to church. Why? Because you're paying off your debt. They require you to give a tithe. Why? Because you're paying off a debt of your salvation. That's what they think, and that's the mindset behind it. Many of them, uh, they require, hey, that you do this or you do that, and there's so many good works involved because in, in their mind and according to their philosophies, you're paying off a debt. Listen, it's not possible to pay off our debt. It's just too much for us. Uh, it's too high. The price is too great. And there's no way on earth that we could pay for our own sins. It's not possible. And so uh, Paul is saying that here in verse number 4, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace. In other words, uh, if, if it's a works-based salvation, then, then grace is undone. And it is now of debt that they would owe. And so we see the common sense that he throws out there in the evidence of belief. Not only that, but I want you to see in verse number 3, the scriptural evidence that he gives. He says in verse number 3, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That's a very plain verse. That's a very, uh, very easy to understand verse. Go with me back to Genesis. Save your spot here in Romans as we'll be back here. Genesis chapter number 15. And we'll see these, this very verse written in the Old Testament. And what's so, uh, so great about this verse is it is looking forward to the cross of Christ uh, when, when, when the sins of the world would be washed away, when the sins of the believers, let me say, uh, would be washed away by Jesus Christ for those who put their faith and trust in Him. And so in Genesis chapter number 15, we have this very verse quoted uh, that Paul is getting to. Let's go back to verse number 1 and let's, let's give context to the entire passage so that we can see this in its context. And let me back up even before that. In Genesis chapter 14, uh, Abraham had just gone and, and, and uh, rescued his cousin, or his nephew rather, Lot. Uh, Lot had been taken, uh, enemy, or taken rather, captured, not enemy, but captured, and, uh, and taken away. And so Abraham armed his servants, and he went out after them, and he rescued Lot and some other people, and brought them back safely. And, uh, and then we jump into this in verse number 1 of Genesis 15. And the Bible says, after these things, after Abraham has returned and, uh, and returned Lot safely, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, 
I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And you can understand why he would say that after having come from battle uh, and returned safely that God is saying, hey, I'm your shield and I'm your great reward. Verse number two. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, Behold, and Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Verse number 6, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And what is, what's being disputed here? It's basically the seed. Abraham is not disputing the fact that God has called him out. Abraham is not disputing the fact that, hey, he's just come back from a war and that God would protect him. The disputed fact, Abraham is saying, Abram is saying, uh, listen, I don't have any heir for my seed. Uh, I don't have any, any uh, child uh, so that I can pass down my inheritance. I don't have a child that I can teach them who you are and that you're the God of the universe that created everything. I don't have seed to pass all of my heritage down. You've brought me out and, and you've been good to me and you've blessed me in so many ways, but I don't have anywhere to pass that on to. That's basically what Abram is saying. And God is very clear with him, and he said, listen, uh, I will give you a child, and out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought forth him uh, forth abroad, and he said, look toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said, so shall thy seed be. He's saying, listen, how many stars are out there? You ever tried to count the stars? I have not. Because I look up there and I think there's no way on earth. It's like counting fish in a fish tank. I mean, they're moving. They're not moving, but man, there's just so many of them, it just seems like an impossible task. But that's the promise God gave to Abraham. He said, you're going to have seed that's going to be innumerable. There will not be a way to number them all. There'll be so many. And, and Abraham, here the Bible says, believed in the Lord, and he counted it, him, counted it to him for righteousness. You know what Abraham did? He took God at his word. God said, this is what it is. And Abraham said, I believe you. It's that simple. You, ever, you know, the, you know the, the saying, a childlike faith, uh, that even a child can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not deep. It's not difficult. It's really simplistic. God gives us his word, and he tells us outright hey, that our sins can be washed away and that we can be saved if we'll just simply put our faith and trust in Him and then, uh, then we are saved. And, uh, and it is that simple. There's no works involved. Uh, Abraham didn't have to, uh, to do anything further. He simply believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And many, are, many people are just are not willing to take God at His word. Uh, you know, sometimes it seems too simple, to be honest with you. 
Uh, many people want to feel like they have to do something. Uh, my dad always said uh, when dealing with salesmen, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And you know what? If, if I was a lost man and unsaved and somebody came to my door and said, uh, you know, your sins can all be washed away, I'd think, man, that sounds too good to be true. It's probably not true. Uh, but the fact of the matter is when you take God at His word and He says, hey, all you have to do is believe, then we find that it's very clear. Look at the verse. The Bible says there in verse 6, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And this argument is so strong that, uh, that listen, it's used in the book of James. Uh, you can turn over there if you want. Well, turn over there real quick, because I do want us to look at this one in James chapter 2. James chapter 2, this, this passage is mentioned uh, at least these three times in the New Testament that we're going to look at. It's mentioned there in, in the book of Romans chapter 4 that we saw. It's mentioned in James chapter number 2. And I do want you to see this in the book of James because it's interesting. James takes a, a perhaps a different uh, look at it, but nonetheless he quotes the exact same passage. Look with me in James chapter number 2 and verse 23. The Bible says in James 2.23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Now, uh, that's very clear that, listen, he believed God, and, and it was imputed. That would be held or given to his account. The word imputed means charged to the account of. And so it was charged to the account of Abraham uh, that he was righteous. Uh, we all know um, about identity fraud. Or if you have a credit card, uh, if somebody were to get that number, uh, they could use that number and charge your account. They would st um, steal out of your account. And you know what? That would be imputed to your account. It would be charged to your account. I've had it happen to me, and uh, it's a common, common problem nowadays, more so uh, than ever before, and, uh, and so it, it can happen. On the adverse of that, nobody would like that, but at the other side of that, now this has never happened to me, and it probably won't ever happen, but if somebody took your credit card account number, and they wrote a check and they, they sent in uh, $500 to the credit card company with your account number on it, you know what would happen? They would impute that to your account. They would apply that charge to that, that wouldn't be a charge, it would be a positive uh, to your account, that money to your account. And they would, uh, they would take that off of your bill. Now that's not going to happen because people don't just randomly run around writing checks and sending it to your credit card company. Uh, they're, they're, they're out to steal and to take. But that's what basically he's saying that God does. He's saying when somebody believes God, uh, that he, he covers the deficit of their account. And it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Now I want to clear this part up because James 2.23 says that. And then in verse 24 he goes on, as we look at the context, he says, You see then how that by, the, by, that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Now you, you say, well that's quite contrary to what we just read in the book of Romans. 
uh, James is attacking this from a different perspective. Uh, as Paul is writing the book of Romans, he's looking at it from God's side. God looks down at man and he says, hey, uh, this fellow believed me and his sins are wiped away. He has put his faith. Now God has a benefit of being able to see the heart of man. We can't. I look out and I can't see heart. I can't see intention. I can't see uh, a true uh, uh, picture of, of what you are, what you think, or who you are. And so on the flip side of that, James is dealing with man's perspective. And he's saying, listen, uh, when you see that, that somebody believes in God, you're going to see action and you're going to see works based on their belief. When they put their faith and trust in God, hey, there's going to be a difference made in their life and you're going to be able to see that. And you know what? Uh, the majority of the time, he's absolutely right. When God saves somebody, he's going to change their life. And, and I look out and I see people that are sitting in church. They have their Bible. Uh, on July 4th, in the evening nonetheless, came to church and sing songs, and it's indicative to me that, hey, that work shows that you're saved. But that's a man's perspective. God sees your heart, and even if you weren't here, He would know if you're saved or not. I might not be able to tell that. And so, uh, understand that they're looking at it from two different perspectives, but nonetheless, the idea is that, hey, it is faith that saves and not works. Turn with me to one more, one more passage, Galatians chapter 3. And then we'll go back to Romans. Galatians chapter 3, because he deals with this same idea in Galatians chapter 3, this same uh, passage of Genesis 15 is quoted in Galatians chapter number 3 and verse number 6. In Galatians 3, 6 he says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness... Know ye therefore that they which are of the faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. There's really a prophetic uh, twist on it in, in Galatians in that he's saying, listen, the Scriptures were able to foresee the fact that, that through Abraham's seed would come the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who would die on the cross and shed His blood uh, for, the, for all people and whoever will put their faith and trust in Him will be saved. But it's still by faith. It's not by works. And so he's clarifying that, uh, and he gives the scriptural evidence here in, in Galatians as well as in Romans, and even in James it's quoted that uh, the, the, the faith or the belief in God is what saves. And, and our works cannot and will not save us. Go back to Romans chapter 4 and verse number 5. And he, he sums it all up. Go back to Romans 4, and we'll actually go back to verse 4 there, and we'll start there. Because he, he gives one statement, and then he complements it with a second. He says, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So if you work for your salvation, which is not possible, it's out of a, a uh, thing of debt, and it, it deletes and it undoes grace. But look in verse 5. But to him 
that worketh not. In other words, we're not trying to pay for our salvation with our works. To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. What a blessing to know that it's not by works. There's no amount of works that you can do. This is his concluding statement and the evidence of belief. And so we see, uh, we see the common sense that he gives, he, we see the scriptural uh, arguments that he gives, and we see his closing statement as far as uh, uh, that, that uh, it is by faith, and his faith is counted for righteousness. That's all under the evidence of the belief. In verses 6-8, through eight, I want you to see this, and I love this, this will not take very long to look at, but it's a blessing to us, and I hope it, it blesses your heart. The evidence of the blessedness. Look with me at verse number 6. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Let me just stop here and say this. In the Jewish mind, Paul has just brought up two of the most prominent characters in all of the Old Testament. Abraham was the father of the Israelites. God called Abraham out, and they were physically blood relatives all the way back to Abraham. Many of them could trace their lineage back, and that's what all the lineage in Scripture is about. And they could tell you, hey, I am of the tribe of Benjamin. And that tribe of Benjamin is recorded all the way back uh, to, to, Dave, or to Abraham. And so we find that lineage all recorded, and they, they, to their mind, Abraham was their father. They loved Abraham. They was, he was their great-great-great, super-great-grandfather. And, uh, and it was family. David was one of the most highest esteemed respected kings in all of Israel. And so Paul is presenting uh, the most prominent characters in the Jewish mindset of Abraham and of David. And look at here what he says. He says, even as David also describeth the blessedness of man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. He's saying, listen, that God would ascribe righteousness to a person. Now, if you had committed crimes... Whatever the crimes, big, small, lots, little, it doesn't matter, and you are convicted, are sentenced to jail. As you are there in jail, you have you have a record, and and, and after uh, in after you pay your time, you get out of jail. Uh, in in the Bible idea, and we don't have the option of getting out of jail. Our sins are worthy of death. We can go back and you can find verses that will talk about that. But understand this, God, when we believe God, He imputes righteousness to us. You understand that means He not only pardons us, but He cleans the record. When a president pardons somebody, they still have a record. Oh, they're free. They get out of jail and they're able to wander around free, but they still have a record on their, on, their, on their record. They still have a mark on their record. But God, when He saves us, He wipes away all the marks. It is an absolutely clean record. There is no history. There is nothing there that is accounted for. It is all washed completely clean by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me to, to a Psalm 32, and we'll see this quote that David gave. Psalm 32, and we'll see this quote that, that David gives. 
in Psalm 32. And remind, remember, this was written way back in the Old Testament. This was written before, uh, before the book of Romans, obviously, and before Jesus had even come to the world. And, and look at what it says in Psalm 32 in verse number 1. It says, Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. In other words, the Lord imputeth, He doesn't hold to the account uh, the iniquity, but rather gives Him the righteousness of God. And, uh, and that's what He's saying back here in, in Romans. That's what He's clarifying. He's saying, listen, what a blessedness. Hey, that was something for Abraham to have been counted for righteousness. That was something for David to have written that uh, before Jesus Christ had come. Uh, that, was, uh, that was a concept that was New Testament being given in the Old Testament. I'm glad we have it written down in a real simple verse. The Bible says in 1 John 1.9, he says, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse, uh, to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a blessing to know that when that you and I we have, in the eyes of God, we have a completely clean slate. I mean, there's no sin. There's no debt of sin. And what a blessing to us, and may it challenge us to say, hey, you know what? I want to live for Him. I want to serve Him because He has saved me. He has cleaned me. He has changed my life completely. And may I want to serve Him with what He has done for me. And the Bible says here uh, in verse number well, look at verse number 7 back in Romans 4. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Blessed means to be made happy or prosperous. We are freed from the guilt and condemnation of sin. That ought to, man, that ought to cheer us up. Hey, to know that Bless God, in God's eyes, we're made perfect. That, that is a blessing to know that. And that that's, inspires me. It helps me and says, hey, you know what? I, I want to I keep it clean. I want to continue to live for Him. I mean, He's done so much for me. I want to serve Him with my life. And I want to, uh, I'm blessed by what He has done for me. If somebody came to you, probably many of you, your house... Many of you, your houses may already be paid off. But man, if somebody came to me tomorrow and said, hey, I want to pay your house off. If somebody came to me tomorrow and said, I want to pay the church off. Buddy, I'd be happy about that. You know what? I, I would say, man, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know what? What do you, what do you need? Let's go do it right now. Let's go to the, you got time right now? I mean, let's go take care of this right now. We'll drive to the bank. We will talk to the banker. We'll do everything that needs to be done. I, I mean, that is, that is huge. Listen, understand that our sin debt was far greater than any amount of debt that you could incur on this world. Our sin debt carried with it an eternal burden that Jesus Christ lifted off our shoulders and said, hey, I'll carry that for you. And you go free. What a blessing to know that our Savior did that for us. Not work. That's not something that our works could do. That, that's, if it was of works, we would merely be paying off the debt. That's what we do with our house loans. We pay
pay off the debt. But salvation is justification. It's the wiping of our sin out completely, not by works, but by His grace. And our trusting in Him, believing in Him. So we have the belief, the evidences of belief, and then the evidences of blessedness that, hey, what, how blessed we are as Christians to know our sins are forgiven. We have a clean slate before God. And listen, you know what that means? That means you can go to your Father at any time, guilt-free, and know, hey, God loves me, and He cares about me. Not because of what I've done. Man, I, there's no amount of good works that I could do to earn His graces. He's given it to me freely. What a blessing to know that. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, knowing we're justified by faith, not of works. Father, we thank You for the blessedness that You bestow upon us. God, there's not a person in this room who would claim that we're worthy because truly we're not but we're grateful for the great blessings of justifying our life, wiping our debt of sin out completely. And God, that we can stand before You in righteousness, not that of ourselves, not our own righteousness, but dressed in Your righteousness that You paid for us. And God, may we love You so much the more because of the righteousness that You've bestowed on us. God, I pray that we'd be challenged to love You greater and to serve You more, understanding the full benefit that You've bestowed on us, that You've given to us. We'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you want to thank Him for the blessedness, for forgiving your debt of sin, for paying for your life. What a blessing to know that.